Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I want to give you about ten truths. Truth number one. Getting alone with God and praying will end discouragement. You see, when you get alone with God, you're able to kind of get a different perspective. So Jesus says, I'm going to take them up to the top of the mountain so they can see things in a different way. Sometimes Christians can get discouraged in their spiritual lives. What's the solution? In today's message, Pastor Mark gives us some advice on how to fight spiritual discouragement. He uses Jesus taking Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration as an example and draws an analogy to the necessity of our getting along with God. When we get alone with God in the Word and in prayer, discouragement dissipates. Life's problems just seem to diminish when we have a heavenly perspective. Time spent alone with God will give us that perspective. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Encouragement on the Mountaintop. Matthew chapter 17. We have an incredible teaching today as we begin, we'll actually begin the last verse of chapter 16. In our lives, our lives are filled with mountaintop experiences and valleys. Altitude can change attitude. Very often when we're on a mountaintop, We have a different perspective of things versus the way they looked in the valley. Some of you are on a mountaintop. Things are incredible. Maybe you got proposed to this week. Praise God. You're excited. Maybe the person that had been dating this individual before you, here's the news. They're in the valley. Maybe you got a call this week from the doctor. You could be in the valley or on the mountaintop. We're going to see today what real life is about. But I want you to begin thinking about a different perspective in your life. One of the reasons I love to travel is when you get in that plane and get to a different altitude... The problem down here that looked like New York City, when you get 30,000 feet, New York City looks like the tip of my fingernail. And it's a different perspective. Some of you need an attitude adjustment today. And through the word, we're going to have that. 
We begin in Matthew chapter 16, actually, the last verse, verse 28. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, speaking to his disciples, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Chapter 17, verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain, Mountain Hermon, by themselves. Now, what happened in the last part of chapter 16 until we go to this mountaintop? Well, the disciples had this, watch me, this roller coaster kind of week from a mountaintop to a valley to a mountaintop to a valley. That's kind of the way life really is. Earlier that week, Peter had made a bold statement by faith. Jesus said to the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter boldly said, oh, you're Christ, the son of the living God, mountaintop. Because Jesus said, Pete, you're right. That didn't come to you by your mind. That came to you through the revelation of God. So they're on a mountaintop going, wow, kingdom of God's coming. Now, why are they thinking that? Well, the Jewish people, this was their perspective. When the Messiah would come, he would set up this thing called the kingdom of God on earth. He would get rid of, right away, the Romans who were just holding all the Jewish people in Israel in bondage, get rid of them, horrible enemy. And all of a sudden, great things would happen. Peace would come to the world. The Messiah was here. And that little selfish agenda... These 12 are on the ground floor. They're thinking, hey, we're the boys on the right and the left. You know, we got with the secretary of state, man, we got the names. We're going to be here. So when Jesus says, you're right, I am the son of God. I am the Messiah. It's mountaintop. The very next thing Jesus says is this. By the way, I'm going to Jerusalem and you're going with me. When I get to Jerusalem, I'm going to die on a cross. So they go from a mountaintop to a valley. What? What do you mean you're going to... What, what's going to happen to the kingdom of God? What? And so they're incredibly discouraged. In fact, so much so that Pete opens his mouth again. Just before he said, you're the son of God. Jesus said, yeah, but I'm going to have to deny myself, take up my cross, and just like you are. And well, I'm going to die. And Pete said, no, you're not. I won't let you. It's not going to happen to you. You got the wrong idea. Can you imagine saying to God, you got the wrong idea, God? So they're discouraged. The disciples are in despair. And then Jesus makes a statement. Notice verse 28 again. He says, some of you who are standing here, you're going to see the kingdom of God coming before you die. So they're going like, okay, we're totally confused now. We thought we had it. You said we didn't. You're going to die. Now you're saying we're going to see the kingdom of God. What is up with this? And so all of a sudden, the disciples are left confused and discouraged. First thing to write down today. If you're a Christian, Satan has a little toolbox. And out of that toolbox, well, he knows what to use in your life and my life. And I've discovered, because I've been a Christian longer than most of you have been alive, I've been a Christian 58 years. I've discovered these three tools in Satan's tool chest he uses most often. The tool of depression, 
discouragement and loss of hope. That's where, that's where the disciples are. Oh, they're followers of Jesus. But they're depressed, they're discouraged, and they can't make sense of what the future looks like. So Jesus, knowing they're discouraged, he takes them up to a mountaintop to do one thing, to encourage them. He wants to give them a real taste of this supernatural kingdom that's going to be coming. Now, interesting, Mark and Luke, part of the other synoptic gospels, add their own little flavor to what happened. This scenario is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Well, Matthew and Mark really say that when they headed up to the mountain to get a different perspective, it wasn't only to have encouragement, but they went to pray. I want to give you about 10 truths. Truth number one, getting alone with God and praying will end discouragement. You see, when you get alone with God, you're able to kind of get a different perspective. So Jesus says, I'm going to take them up to the top of the mountain so they can see things in a different way. Today, I want to remind you that if you will get to your Bible, if you'll have a quiet time, we understand in the scripture very often, well, let me read you a verse, Colossians, since you have been raised, raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. You see, when I get alone with God in the Bible and spend a little quiet time with him in prayer, I get a different perspective than the normal everything that's happening in my life. I'm reminded of the shortness of this life and the vastness of eternity and the guarantee that I'm going to be with God. You see, down here, where we live in the valley, I mean, we have mountaintops, but most of our life has lived in the real world. Well, I need to get alone with God to have him speak to me. That's one of the things that will happen as you fast and as you pray. You'll get a different perspective on it. I officiated at a funeral for a 29-year-old young lady who was killed in a car accident. Now, how do you get perspective out of that? Well, you get perspective by opening the Bible and understanding that the world we live in, the first thing I say in a funeral like that to the people who are there, many of them never been to church. I say to them, God didn't cause this. Sin and Satan caused this. You see, when God planned the world, there was no sickness, no sin, no death, no disease. And so in the real world, we're going to be facing these things. Because there's sin. But when I get alone with God, and I take my Bible, and I get with my Bible, and I open it, it's as if I've climbed to a mountain. Because I have a heavenly perspective. If I just got diagnosed with a terminal disease, I'm in the valley. Then I have promises of God. Well, they don't eliminate the truth, and as God heals me, but it gives me hope. For the future. See, that's why Satan wants to keep you out of the Word of God, because this changes your perspective. This is real life, and it gives us hope 
for the future. So Jesus takes the disciples and he's going to encourage them and he takes them up to this mountaintop. Now Luke tells us when they went up there to pray that they actually became sleepy and fell asleep. Does that surprise you? Let me just say this. Some of you like to take Somonex because you can't sleep or Tylenol PM. Let me give you an encouragement thing. If you can't sleep, just get your Bible out and you'll have no trouble sleeping. So that's because the enemy knows he doesn't want us to read truth. So here they are sleeping and when they wake up, what do they see? Look at this. Verse 2. There he, Jesus, standing before them was transfigured. That word transfigured in the original language means metamorphosis. It means a change on the outside that comes from the inside. And his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as the light. Mark says it like this. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. This is amazing. I'm standing under lights that reflect off of me so you can see me better. That's not what happened then. You see, the disciples had seen Jesus, his body, for two years. This was it. But on that day, the light didn't reflect. It radiated from the inside. For the very first time, And you have to imagine what that was like. They saw Jesus, listen, as he had been in heaven. And as he would be in heaven again. They saw the past. They still saw his body here in the present. And then they saw the future. You see, they were seeing the truth of Jesus' divinity. He was, truth number two, he was fully man and fully God. Now, you can't get your arms around that, either can I. That doesn't make a bit of sense to me. How can somebody be fully man and fully God? But he was. They saw that, and it was absolutely incredible. By the way... Do you think that discouraged or encouraged the disciples? If it was you, what would it do with you? Man, I'm discouraged. Jesus is God. (laughs) Nobody had ever seen that before. Nobody else would ever see it. It encouraged. Why did he take them to the mountain? To encourage them. When you open that word of God, there'll be things that will just jump out at you. That'll encourage you. You see, this was different than us putting makeup on, you ladies getting all fixed up from the outside. No, this was the real Jesus from the inside. This is who he was. He was fully man, and he was fully God. In fact, John, who was there, was so encouraged, he had to write about it. John 1.14. John writes it like this. So the word, Jesus, became human. And he made his home among us. In other words, he came to dwell on the earth. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only 
son. John would write it. He couldn't get it out of his mind. So when you see that, here's truth number three. The supernatural is real. They're getting a glimpse of, well, the spiritual world. Fully man, fully God. Eternity, heaven, and hell. What summarized that, what completes that statement, truth number three, is verse three. Look what happens. Just then, after Jesus is shining like they've never seen it before in their life, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah. And what are they doing? They're talking with Jesus. You got to get this in your mind, guys. Put yourself on the mountain. Climb with me to the mountain. They're seeing Jesus like they've never seen him before. And all of a sudden, here's Moses. Moses had died 1,400 years ago. And Elijah had been translated. He didn't die. He translated to heaven 900 years ago. Now, when you see that, what are you thinking? Well, I really don't believe in the supernatural. I don't really believe the spiritual. We're just kind of like animals, and there's, there's no such thing as supernatural. No, you're wrong. The real you is spiritual. It's absolutely spiritual. And so you say, Pastor Mark, what does that mean? Well, that means there's an eternity. God's placed it in our heart, Ecclesiastes. That means there's a heaven. That means there's a hell. And it's clarified by when Elijah was translated, the Bible says this is how it happened. Look at Second Kings, I have it for you. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to, Elijah went up to heaven. Pastor Mike, I don't believe there's a heaven. Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. And he just came back from heaven. 900 years ago, he went to heaven. He came back to heaven to stand on this mountain and the disciples saw it. You see, the spiritual world is real. Your spirit The most important part of you, you and your children, is spirit. Now, when we think about that, I gave you a principle last week. Correct living must be rooted in correct belief. Correct living must be rooted in correct belief. In other words, if I believe wrong, I'm going to live wrong, and the outcome is going to be wrong. Well, in the Old Testament, the man named Job... Oldest book in the Bible, he made this statement. It has great relevance to you. If a man dies, will he live again? Simple question, very profound. Why? Because all of us are going to die. So in other words, when I get to this place, and here I am as a teenager, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, wherever... When I get to that place, then what? What happens when a man or a woman dies? What happens? What's next? What's there? Well, do you know that man has come up with lots of ideas? Let me give you three or four of them this morning. We have a group of people who, in their wisdom in our world, to answer that question, say this. When a person dies, there's, well, there's simply, that's it. You bought the farm. The fat lady can sing. It's over. You go into the ground. You turn back to dust. It's the end. 
That's one belief. Other people, like the Seventy Adventists, some others, will teach you, well, when you die, there's something called soul sleep. In other words, soul sleep denies man's consciousness when he dies. And that really between his death and when the resurrection occurs many, many hundreds of years later, or thousands, that this man just, well, there's no consciousness in the man until the resurrection. Then because of the Eastern influence in our world, there's a lot of people that you would meet, maybe even in this room today, that say, well, Pastor Mark, when you die... I believe in reincarnation, new age. We keep coming back again and again and again until we kind of get it right, until we obtain uh, perfection, nirvana. We just keep coming back. Well, let me give you truth number four and then explain it to you. Truth number four. Atheism, reincarnation, and soul sleep are false teachings. Remember, correct living is rooted in correct belief. You say, well, where do you get that? How how can you say that? From the verse you just read. One verse, so crystal clear, answers those three false beliefs. Let's go through them. First person says, well, when you die, it's over with, that's the end of it, you fail to exist. All right, Moses and Elijah, did they fail to exist? Okay, Moses died 1,400 years ago and Elijah, 900. Are they still alive? Are they existing? Yeah, in fact, they're what? They're talking to Jesus. So if you believe that's the end of life, you're wrong. We do exist after we die. Second, soul sleep. Maybe you come from the seven day Venice. Well, Pastor Mark, when you die... You're not conscious until the resurrection. Well, does the verse we just read disprove that? A hundred percent. Why? Because they're what? They're talking. When's the last time you talked and you were not conscious? You talked. All right. Here's the third one. Isn't it powerful? A little bit of truth destroys everything. All right. Pastor Mark, I believe you keep coming back until you get it right. Reincarnation. By the way, how many times would you think I'd have to come back to get it right? So you come back as a different person. So notice in this, Moses didn't come back as a cow, and Elijah wasn't a bug. (laughs) They were what? The same people they were before they died. They were people. So it destroys all three of those. Is that important? It's incredibly important. One little verse. One little verse. That brings up truth number five. Every person will live forever after death in either heaven or hell. Are you discouraged? Probably all have been discouraged spiritually at one time or another. So what do you do? In today's message, Pastor Mark reminded us that there's no greater cure than to be alone with God and in His Word. Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration for a change in perspective. We all could use that. Are you ready for a perspective change? Are you ready to be encouraged on the mountaintop? Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. 
Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Peter, James, and John learned some important truths on the mountaintop with Jesus. When he was transfigured before them, it gave them a perspective that they had never had before. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark shares some of what they learned and how important it is to us as well. For example, we learned that the supernatural is very real. We also learned, as they did, that Jesus is truly the Son of God. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.